Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, my name is Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we're very excited to be talking to you about the cult classic, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. He's a rocker. Doctor. Don't talk on that. You never know what it might be attached to. Inventor. Philosopher. No matter where you go, there you are. And the only hero. Buckaroo. 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 Curse are you, bonsai! Who can save us all? Evil. You're unstoppable from the eighth dimension. Venom. Launch thermal pod. Buckaroo bonsai. Is pure nutty fun. Buckaroo, you got your thruster. What are you all on for what? The cult sci-fi classic. Run, run! In a dimension all its own. Real life Martians landing in New Jersey. Torito. We will fire a portable beam weapon. Vaporize the whole damn planet. If we blow this today, get him up. There ain't no tomorrow. Left, I said left. This is left. I mean, my left. All left, go your right. Buckaroo, the president's calling about is everything okay with the alien space club and planet 10, or should we just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two? All right, now, I chose that trailer, which is not the original trailer. I chose that trailer because... It's like from some remastered re-release or something. It just gives you a better sense of what the movie is actually about, if you haven't seen it. The original trailer uh, was completely, almost completely non-verbal. It was just images of the characters and set to, a you know, some some music from the movie. And I just thought playing it here doesn't really add anything. So I chose this one. Do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. I have a brief one, but I think it's uh, it sums things up pretty well. Hit me. Adventurer, brain surgeon, rock musician, Buckaroo Banzai and his crime-fighting team, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, must stop evil alien invaders from the eighth dimension who are planning to conquer Earth. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think that... That pretty much gets yeah, it. Yeah, that sums it's it's a it's a somewhat complicated uh, plot when it really comes down to it. But so, what did uh, I, I have two questions for you? Is th- is this a nostalgia movie for you? Did you did you watch this when you were a kid? And and what do you think of this one? It is not a nostalgia movie for me in the way that say the Black Hole was or Buck Rogers was, or I'm sorry, Flash Gordon. <laughs> um. But I did see it. I have seen it. Uh, and I saw it when I was a kid. And I like it. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. It, you know, I just, I wanted it to be better than it was. I guess I don't know how else, how sort of more gently to put that, like, it's trying to do an interesting thing. It's trying to sort of be an action comedy comic book. It's not really a horror movie, but there are elements of kind of gross, um, practical stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I just feel like it's, um, you know, it, the, the, the character of Buck Rupantai is a neurosurgeon, a particle physicist, a rock star, and, a, you know, a martial arts expert. He's and, basically the best person in the world at everything, right? Yeah, and, and it's just kind of an overstuffed turkey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible to pull that off, but what I what I feel when I'm watching the movie is, as much as all the crazy stuff is going on, it feels oddly slow. Yes, um, watching it, um, and there this is a movie with aliens and rocket cars and interdimensional travel and a cartoon bad guy, and you know uh, the aliens are on the planet and they, but but not everybody kind of it's like they live. Most people can't see that they're aliens. It, there's just. And there's the government, and there's gunplay, and there's a rock show, and <laughs> and yet it's sort of boring. Um, the moments that land, I think, are fun and memorable. My, my favorite thing about this movie is the costume design. Like mm-hmm. somebody designed some really spectacular uh, outfits, and. One of his sidekicks is this blonde guy named Perfect something, or he's, I don't know, Joe Perfect, or I forget what his name is, Mm -hmm. but he looks like a model. And I think he literally is wearing a different outfit in every cut, like certainly at every scene, but they'll be like, there's a couple of places like they're in inside and they're like, all right, let's go. And then they're walking out to the car and he's in a different outfit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's one, uh, you know, in, in, in all honesty, I think one of the absolute best things about this movie is the end credit scene. Yeah. They have this great song that they play. Yeah, that's, just... the, that's the trailer. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, okay. I didn't choose to put that in here because it, the trailer is really mostly just that end credits thing where they, they're walking through the like aqueduct or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. you know, it's just that song. It goes on for a minute and a half. And then right at the end, there's some gag. Where yeah. one of the guys is like, hey, Buckaroo, the president wants to know if he should, you know, stand down or just go ahead and blow up Russia. Yeah. And, and and I just didn't think that playing that trailer, because it's non-visual and we're not showing. Sure. The, yeah. Yeah. Images. It, it's, it's, it's kind of great. If you watch it, you kind of get a great taste of. I think people can almost watch that and not watch the movie. It's so that part is so much fun. But that Joe Perfect guy or whatever with the blonde hair. I, I was noticing last night, last night was when I watched it. And when they're walking along, he is wearing a, a white suit jacket with no shirt underneath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just such a ridiculous outfit. It's ridiculous. And he's got, it's like, you know, it's, it's early eighties couture. Yeah. So there's lots of like, and there's a lot of Japanese influence in it. Um, I was reading something, I think, on Wikipedia where Peter Weller was talking about his, you know, playing this character. He said he his influences were, and I won't remember them all, but it was like, um, it was either Einstein or Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, it, he lists off all these crazy people. And the last one of, of what was Adam Ant, mm-hmm. because he's also... He uh, looks a lot like Adam Ant in the movie. I never yeah, thought about that before. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's sort of like, it's just a lot to pull off. And I think that the director would have had to have had 
um, a real, real crystal clear, like when we talked about the lighthouse, we talked about it's a two-hander. One actor sort of seemed to have his interpretation of the script that was more the magic lighthouse side of it. Mm -hmm. And the other actor had his interpretation of it. it was two guys are stuck on an island go crazy. And the director was sort of like, yes. And he let them both be in the movie that they wanted to be in. And then his vision of it was so specific that what he put together was a combination of those. He let the, that be in the actor's performance. And he made an incredibly specific looking movie that told the story as he wanted to tell it. Now, that's not to say, you know, there was ambiguity in it, but when you watch that movie, what you get, what I got was a feeling of great specificity, scene to scene, visual specificity. Mm -hmm. um, and in Buckaroo Banzai, it's sort of all over the place. So you have a character that is a doctor and a scientist and a rock star and a martial <laughs> artist. And it's like that never comes together in one man. Like it, it, what you're left with is just kind of Peter Weller doing these different things. Here's now here's Peter Weller doing brain surgery. Now here's Peter Weller breaking the eighth dimension. Now here's Peter Weller playing the guitar. Now here's Peter Weller putting down his samurai sword. And instead of it being like, wow, this incredible guy that is all these things in one, it's sort of like, well, he's this guy that you like to watch on screen who is the movie tells us is all of these things, but does that make sense? Like it, it does. Yeah. It doesn't come together. It's like mm -hmm. when you make a soup or a stew or something and you put on all the ingredients, but you haven't cooked it long enough and you take a bite of it and it's not that it tastes bad, but you just taste all the separate things. Instead of it kind of, if you cook it for a couple of hours, you let it sit overnight and then the next day you taste it and all those flavors have kind of blended together in a wonderful way to create something more than the ingredients. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What did you, I'm doing a lot of the talking. No, no, what that's, so, uh, you might be surprised. I did not see this movie as a kid. It was one that I was always really interested in. I remember specifically they did a huge advertising blitz, um, in comic books at, at this time. So I remember like all these Marvel comics that I was reading at the time, you know, they were advertising for this and it was like, Oh, I really want to see that. And for some reason I never got around to it and I'd always wanted to, and I watched it for the first time maybe two years ago. And, um, and I enjoyed it overall. I, the, what I like about it is I think there's a charm to the um, just him and this goofy team that he has and they're like mm -hmm. fighting crime or whatever. And I, I, I kind of enjoy the fact of if this were a movie today, they would give you everybody's backstory. You know, right. it, it, would, it would probably be an origin story about Buckaroo Banzai and how he, you know, learn to do all these things but they just kind of drop you into it and they it it seems like the characters have this shorthand with each other and i don't know that part of it just kind of works for me it's just i agree i, I think charm is the you know they're likable just kind of fun uh characters this is a 
mostly a, a pretty light movie. Um, the other thing that I really like about this is you have um, John Lithgow as this crazy, and he's the first person who went into the eighth dimension and it, what it made him insane. And he is, I mean, John Lithgow, he gets sort of halfway stuck into the eighth dimension. And this, what we find out is the aliens have banished one of their bad guys Mm -hmm. to the eighth dimension. It's like the neutral zone for them. Yes. And so he gets sort of, he's trying to go through a solid surface and it gets kind of stuck halfway. And the, the evil alien who's been banished to that realm somehow then inhabits him. Yeah. So when they pull him back out of it, it's not really Dr. Lazaro or whatever his name is mm-hmm. anymore. It, it, he's been possessed by this evil alien. So yes, he's crazy and bonkers, but it's not really him anymore. Mm-hmm. And the aliens, the, 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 the the eighth dimension doesn't seem to be populated by its own species. It's just where the aliens have banished their bad guy. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but John Lithgow, I mean, John Lithgow's he's, he's one of my all time favorites. I mean, he's a, he's an amazing, you know, he's an amazing dramatic actor, but also a great comedic actor. And, and he's awesome in this. You have, you know, you have Peter Weller, you have Ellen Barkin, you have Jeff Gold, a really young Jeff Goldblum. He is, uh, he sort of steals the movie for me. <laughs> he does. He's a he's like in a cowboy outfit all the time. Uh, there, there's an early scene where they're doing brain surgery and the, the Jeff Goldblum character is kind of asking, has called in Buckaroo Banzai to kind of help him out of a tight spot. And he's saying like, he's dropping all of these neurosurgical terms you know he's like so then i went mm-hmm. the, the, you know is this and that and but then then i, I realized I, I don't know whether that's the bicuspal blah blah, blah or the, you know but whatever and that's when i thought i better get out and peter weller you know has some pithy piece of baloney about neurosurgery mm-hmm. and then at the end he's like so i wanted to talk to you about that you know we have an opening <laughs> and they, you realize they're now talking about the rock band and uh and goldblum's like oh you, uh, yeah i'm interested you have an opening i you know I, <laughs> I sort of didn't dare to hope and it's it's really funny and then he's the one that shows up in this sort of uh 1950s white hat cowboy thing with uh you know yeah uh, the spurs and or the chaps, chaps or whatever yeah <laughs> it's a great costume and his name is new jersey in the movie the uh right. the blonde haired guy that we were talking about his name is perfect tommy um and to give you an idea of the the kind of the what the humor is like in this uh Chris one of the aliens is played by one of the bad aliens is played by Christopher Lloyd yeah. and his character is John and his last name is spelled B I G B O O T E and they call him Big Booty all the time and he keeps correcting him it's Big Booty um yeah. And so that gives you an idea of what the, and if you don't think that's yeah. funny, you're probably not going to like this movie, right. you know, because it's that kind of, right. and again, it's one of these, we've, we've talked about some of these in, in, uh, <laughs> in past uh, episodes, you kind of wonder who this was made for. I mean, that's right. like an, you know, an right. eighth grade level humor. And in a well, lot of ways, it's a comic book movie, you know, cause yeah. it feels like this was originally a graphic novel. It wasn't by the way. Yeah. But I, you know, my first impulse is like, was this a popular 
early 80s graphic novel that someone convinced a studio to make this, you know, this was kind of a labor of love. Mm -hmm. But nope. Yeah. And, but you just kind of, this was a major studio release. This was 20th Century Fox, but it, you know, it's, it bombed. It, it, I was reading it made about half of its money back, but it's become a cult classic since then. But you just wonder who this was intended for. You know, it's, it's, you could say maybe it's, it's a kid's movie kind of, but there's, there's some more kind of adult elements in it that where it's, you know, maybe a little bit not appropriate for kids. And it's just, again, it's one of those, this was probably a, cocaine influenced (laughs) you know movie i have to to think it had to have been (laughs) because it's just so weird i i don't i don't like that i keep bringing up the marvel franchise but joss whedon and those guys that made the avengers and it's got to do with the casting too robert downey jr and scarlett johansson and all of them all of them but they're all great, but you have to give it to the director who helms this thing. Like, how do you take this material with these soul stones? And it's just, I mean, I love the comics, but mm-hmm. it is, you go with it and it's a comic book. It's a 35 cent piece of pulp, right? Who cares? Soul stones are great. Um, but on screen, it's very difficult to deliver this material with a straight face and even with CGI and everything else, those movies simply would not work if you didn't believe that Tony Stark, that this was real to him and that he cared, right? And he could deliver this flippant stuff in a way that made you also care whether he succeeded or failed, right? Yeah. Believe in these absurd stakes. I mean, the stakes are literally the end of the world, and then it just escalates. Then it's the end of the solar system. Then it's the end of the galaxy. Then it's the end of the universe. You can't even get your head around those baloney stakes, but they pull it off. And I, I, I somehow feel like there was a number of movies that tried to sort of get at it in the eighties, and I mean, like the original Superman movies. I. I remember them fondly and I enjoyed watching them. And I give a lot of the credit to that, to Christopher Reeve. Yes. uh, In his performance, because he's just such a great actor and he's so empathetic. And, um, but the spandex suit and the weird wire effects, it just, you know, you didn't, you had to swallow a lot of like, okay, well that's a dumb looking shot, but okay. I'm still on board, you know? And in this one, it just felt like it could have been, it could have been so a slam dunk, like so, so much more entertaining than it actually is mm-hmm. in watching it. And it's just that the director didn't, if you have to lay it on somebody, you have to lay it on the director, right? Cause he's got to pop in there and pull Lithgow back a little bit. Yeah. Cause he's way, right? way out there. You and know, like, it's a lot of fun, but he's way out there. Yeah. You're great. But that Italian accent you're doing, (laughs) and this is the early 80s, Yeah. but that Italian accent is offensive. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're making fun of Italians. And and now you sound sort of Russian. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to do another take of that because that sounds sloppy and wrong, you know, however you tell it to him, but you you have to reel it in. And with Peter Weller, it's got to be, 
Peter, I get the deadpan. I get that that's kind of your thing and that's what you're going for. I, we need a little more out of you. It's reading really cold, you know? I, I just yeah. feel like across the board and it's like, you know, perfect. You don't have a lot to do in this, so you need to make some choices. Like <laughs> what? It's not enough to just look good with your shirt off in this scene. You you know, who who is your character? And, and the director, if the actor doesn't do that and the director wants to make it a good movie, the director has to do that work with the actor. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is such an eighties movie. I mean, it's kind of one of these things where it, you can, you know, it's hard to imagine it being made in any other era, this mid eighties. I mean, it just fits in so perfectly with that. The concept, the concept. Yeah. One it's so you're right about the cocaine. It's so it's like, this guy's everything. He's the, you know, he's the best brain doctor. He plays the hottest guitar. Like mm-hmm. everybody wants to be, women love him. You know, men want to be around him. He, yeah. He's a ninja. He's, it's just like he drives a rocket car. But you're just kind of like, okay, okay, okay. He's all these things, but he's not a douche. You know, all of these, all these characters are really, uh, I don't know. They're just likable. Um, I don't know. But uh, the a few years ago. So, I mean, this, again, for a movie that that bombed, you know, it it has a following. Yeah. And um a few years ago, it also has Clancy Brown in it. Yeah. Um I mean there's all these yeah the, oh and this is a name that um I think anybody maybe like 10 years younger than this would just be like I don't know who you're talking about, but it has Billy Vera, Billy Vera and the Beaters. Uh, his name is Pinky Carruthers. Um, so they have all these, you know, crazy names and everything. But uh, well, on crazy names, I just want with the John Big Booty. I, one thing I like about it is all of the aliens are John somebody. Uh-huh. So there's like, <laughs> I don't know, 150 aliens or whatever. Yeah. And there's some registry of like all these people like were created in the same day or got social security cards in the same day. And they're all. You know, John Big Booty, John yeah. Smallberries, John, <laughs> right? Yeah. Some of them are more. One of my favorite scenes is with the kind of clownish bureaucrat. I don't know if he's the Secretary of Defense or whatever. Is like I think comes so, to yeah. The facility. And there's these two goons who are aliens that have name tags or whatever. And the first guy's name is John Yaya or something like that. And he's like, I'm, I'm writing you up. What's your name, soldier? And he's like, John Yaya. He's like, John Yaya. He's like, and what's your name? And he looks at the guy's name tag. He's like, John Smallberries. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few times in the movie that it really made me laugh out loud. It's like, I feel like if the comedy in the movie, as juvenile as it is, was was hit with the sort of right energy. And, you know, the actor has to know it's absurd, but they also have to play it with enough serious, you know, the, 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 the universe of this movie is a serious universe. Yeah. But it's absurd. So you, you know, I think if, if, if everybody had been right on this, the right energy frequency, um, this thing might've, might've taken off. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, if they would ever reboot this and, um, several years ago, uh, and I don't know what, it, you know, it must have fallen through, but um, Kevin Smith was in talks to 
to reboot this, I think as a series as a, you know, as like for Netflix or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was going to direct or if he was just going to executive produce it or what. I don't think he would be right to direct it. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a strong enough director, but the guy who could do this perfectly, I think is, um, James Gunn, the, uh, oh, yeah. the guardians okay. of the galaxy guy. He would, I was going to say Favreau would, would, would have fun with it too. Yeah, I, I think, but, but I think, yeah, um, James Gunn, man, <laughs> he would hit the perfect tone. I don't know if you've, you know, cause the guardians of the galaxy movies, you know, have that, you know, they're oh, weird yeah. and kooky, but it works. It, they, they pull off the, you know, it's, it's as bonkers. Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy are as weird as the Marvel Universe currently has gotten on screen. Yeah. And I think it's, you get the right actors to do it and you get the right director who strikes the tone between earnest and absurdist. Right. And it, 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 he finds a harmony there. Really, they really work. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the previews for the next, see, he's directing also, he's directing the next Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's also directing the, the next Suicide Squad. Have you seen the trailer for that? No. Oh, it it's, looks. It's just a, it's a reboot of Suicide Squad, right? It I mean, is. Yeah, just, but it's. It's just like they didn't like the way the first movie performed. So they're making Suicide Squad. They're yeah. convinced this property has legs, but the first one was a fizzle. So they're just going to give it to another director and let somebody else take another pass at the script and <laughs> remake the movie. And again, it's one of these things where you'll have to watch the trailer, but I think he's perfect for it. Cause it looks crazy, but um, they're keeping her as Harley Quinn, right? Keeping her as Harley Quinn. Yeah. Does anybody else stay? Nobody else stays. Um, they have uh, a couple of people, a couple of people, a couple, stay. yeah, a couple of the people are back. they, they recast uh, the Will Smith role with Idris yeah. Idris Elba. Oh, that's interesting. Which will be pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, and then there's there's new characters. But it, I mean, it looks nuts. Um, you know, it's and it's that same kind of tone as Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, where it. I don't know. I'm I'm that's one that I'm I'm pretty excited about because it. But but he could if they ever, you know, would would uh, dig this property up. I would like to see him him do it he could do a great job you know it's it is so of the early 80s though you know Mm -hmm. with the shoulder pads and the like hair and the skinny ties yeah and and that's i think why the fashion and the music i mean the music is very of the period it's not particularly inspired music like when we were talking about the black hole you know there's a lot to pick apart about the black hole but that black hole theme that bum, 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 it's really memorable you know and i think um some of the other some of the other 80s movies we've talked about like the music is one of the memorable things about it you're like oh that's a hot track like that is some crazy 80s synth you mm-hmm. know and i think of 80s movies i think of the psychedelic furs did a lot of stuff it's like there was the music and the style were a big part of eighties movies. It was like a featured aspect of eighties movies. You know, you have a topless shot, somebody takes off their top. You've got a montage that's got some popular, you know, rock song. Yeah. Uh, that maybe has it. That's the track is just for, it's not on an album. It's just in this movie. Um, in, 
the music was definitely of the 80s here, but kind of a fizzle for me in this. It There wasn't a real, like, considering he's a rock star. Yeah. That what they have is kind of a blues band, right. sort of. I mean, yeah. you've got a horn section, uh-huh. and then they're just kind of passing it around. And I'm like, is this the Blues Brothers or is this? And then he comes out and he does this kind of Van Halen, you know, lead guitar lick, but it feels out of place in the song that they're playing. Um, which is other? It's his him. Peter Weller doing a guitar solo is memorable in that moment, but the song and the band are forgettable, right? Yeah. Which I think is a failure of that scene because you want to illustrate that he is the best neurosurgeon in the world. And he goes through the eighth dimension. Okay. So I'll buy, he's a scientist who invented this thing, but you want it when he's a martial artist, you want a scene that you're like, Oh snap, look at that. You know, that's incredible. That's some Bruce Lee stuff there. Mm -hmm. When he's, when they're playing the rock band, you want to be like, I would buy that album. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Um, I think that I think that remaking it now, you'd ha- you'd have to figure out. You couldn't just make it like this is a movie from the early eighties because modern audiences don't have any. I don't know. Let me ask you because we're the same age mm-hmm. and growing up in the eighties, it really was like I was never. First of all, we're from West Virginia, so mm-hmm. we were always behind in the fashion thing anyway. But, uh, you know, I could never imagine myself in the big shoulder pad. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Sleeves pushed up. It, it was so. I don't it know a if it was. combination of that's really cool and that's also looks really stupid. Mm-hmm. Like that looks really stupid, but somehow that guy or that woman, they're pulling it off. Like they make it yeah. look cool somehow. It's one of those things I I wonder, you know, we were children, so we wouldn't have been wearing the clothes that these people were wearing. But I wonder if if we had been 20 at the time in 1984 and you went to a club or a bar or whatever, is this how people would were were dressing or was this just how people dressed in the movies, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Coming, I mean, maybe if we're in because I think we just kind of wore jeans in New York or L.A. Maybe, yeah. I mean, we just kind of wore jeans and t-shirts and stuff, you know. Yeah, I just always looked like a townie. Yeah, (laughs) I just had. I just I I at this time in my life I wore a thin gold chain (laughs) and I had my hair parted down the middle and it was feathered. I had the yeah, I had that. Like I was in. uh, Like I was in. Oh, what's the name of the, what's the name of the band that sang everybody was everybody's working for the weekend? Oh, Huey Lewis in the news. No, it wasn't, but but they had the same hair, so it could oh, everybody's working like, for the weekend was that uh, Loverboy, 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 yeah. But but Huey Lewis had the same haircut. Yeah, it's yeah. just this feathered thing, mm-hmm. and I, so that's what I was going for. I was going for that look, and it was not nailing it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have cool clothes. Yeah, I don't, and we didn't know anybody that. And again, I didn't don't know think anybody who did. <laughs> I don't think if we grew up in Los Angeles or something, I don't necessarily know that eleven-year-olds would have yeah. been well, dressing yeah. like that. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, I always, I always wonder about that, like because uh, we just well, weren't that age, you know. But that's why I use the term couture because fashion at that time always felt like kind of runway, like. It's not practical. It's yeah. kind of art. It's clothing art. Yeah. It's like, what if we made the shoulder pads bigger? And what if we made the hair on the sides of the head? Of course, now we're doing it where people are shaving their head on their sides. It's a similar look, but they're mm-hmm. like, 
we're going to slick it back or pin it back on the sides and we're going to perm it up on top like a rooster and we're going to do crazy big shoulder pads like the 40s mm-hmm. you know and we're going to we're wearing a blazer but we're pushing the sleeves of the blazer up and and you know it, it's hammer pants and you're yeah. just like it, it, you're taking the human form and you're dressing it in clown clothes <laughs> yeah but wearing it like emperor's new clothes like you're the coolest dude and like this is the coolest thing and they it it sort of worked it it, they sort of pulled it off yeah you know they sort of made it seem glamorous and awesome and like oh i could never date a girl like that but you're like but she looks like an idiot yeah yeah (laughs) but they just own this stuff and they and that was something you know you wonder um and again, it's, you know, you never, uh, I, I, and I've always wondered what these, what the psychological explanation for that is that you, you know, when you look back at the way you dressed, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, and you're just like, why did anybody wear that? That looked ridiculous, but you don't, yeah. but you don't get that at the time, you know? Or, right. Right. I think, you know what, I think that, I think, I mean, I'm not a fashion expert. I Mm -hmm. think that if you look back at the 30s and 40s and yeah, the men's suits, they had a higher waist. They were at the natural waistline. And, but, you know, in ties, ties go, it's a pendulum swing from how long or short the tie is and how, how wide or thin the tie is. Right. Mm -hmm. But somewhere in the middle is a fairly standard men's suit that is tailored at the waist, accentuates the shoulders a little bit, you know, we bring that out and, and, and it's about a tie and a pocket cuff and the trousers break more or less at the shoe. And it's like, it, there's a classic in the middle thing that fashion sort of swings, you know, in the seventies, they had bell bottoms where it was super low rider, super hip hugger, but that huge flare at the bottom. And that was about emphasizing the legs and the hips and the, that area of the body. Sure. And then, you know, it just, I don't know, fashion has never made any sense to me, but but in the early eighties, I felt like it was particularly, (laughs) uh, absurd and sort of radical and like let's take the human form and exaggerate unusual elements of it and that's the thing that i was thinking watching the movie last night is is i thought are they like the characters are you know the actors themselves are they thinking wow i look really cool in this outfit or were they just like this is ridiculous i look like an idiot you know was it that they're in the the time so they can't really see it. Um, I don't know. But I, I think something that this movie suffers from is this isn't a bad movie, but um with no with these uh no bad it's good movies, those kind of just happen. Those those are uh you know, somebody's trying to make a a, a good movie and they're very earnest about it. And it, it turns out to be ridiculous. And this movie is almost like they're trying to, to manufacture a cult film. You know, I think they're almost saying like, this will be really crazy. You know, let's do, I I definitely think there's some of what we were saying that, 
you know, it was just like they just did another line of Coke and we're just like, oh, and then we'll have this happen and, you know, and then that. But I also think some of this was deliberate that they were, yeah. they were purposely trying to be weird. Yeah. And I, and that doesn't totally work as opposed to something where it's just sort of organic, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because I think that it's weird by design. Yes. Which is why I think it, you know, why I think it, it would make sense if you said, oh, this was a graphic novel first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird and countercultural and like norm breaking by design. But where I think it feels coked up to me is like if we shot this shot and everybody was a little coked up and the director was like, oh, great, great. This is awesome. That's great. Moving on. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not great. Like go back and look at it with clear eyes and get the thing that you want. And I, I don't do cocaine. I've never done cocaine. Right. Yeah. Myself. My understanding of it is that, you know, it puts this shiny gloss on everything. Like I'm, I'm the best talker. I'm, you know, you cranks your confidence way up. Um, it cranks your optimism and way up. And I think when you're making a film, that's going to, if you're doing a lot of Coke, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at it and thinking, it's more awesome than it actually is. You can walk around with a blazer without any shirt on underneath and be like, hey, I look awesome. You know, I mean, the guy's in really great shape. So it's, I don't know, it's I don't hate that choice. It's a ballsy choice. Yeah. I just wish they'd given some of these peripheral characters a little more to do because right. there's like eight of them. He's got a posse of yeah. a ton of people. And you you said some of their names, but you wouldn't know their names except if you watch the credits and you're kind of right. like, why do there need to be eight if you're not going to give any of them anything to do or say other than like, what's next, Buckaroo? You know, it's like. Yeah. And again, it's the kind of thing that they're all sort of really awesome at what they do. And they just, you know, they're these heroes that whatever fight crime, you know, we have to take that on the movies. Say so. Yeah. See that. We just are told that mm-hmm. we're told that they're famous and that there's comic books of them and that people buy their albums and they're like, Hey, that's Buckaroo Banzai. But we don't, there's a couple of, you know, scenes where they're chasing the aliens and everybody whips out a, you know, handgun and they're all like running around chasing the aliens, but it's unremarkable. It's yeah. forgettable really. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, you can't just say, now a chase scene with gunplay ensues and i'm like amazing it's gotta be amazing like you have to wow me with it and it is so underwhelming in the execution that what you're left with is like i don't see what's so great about this (laughs) this bunch of folks like they don't seem particularly yeah they're well dressed or whatever but does that make sense oh yeah yeah i totally agree you're it like you said um, you know, you have, or I mean, this part I said, but, um, you, these characters are, you know, they have this certain amount of charm. Um, but, and it's this weird quirky stuff and there's fun things in it. But like you said, it's just kind of dull, you know, it's, it's kind of slow and boring at times this is definitely one where I think people will be resisting the urge to look at their phones. Um, so it just kind of doesn't all come together. I, so 
let, I have some other stuff I want to talk about. So I know we're, we're not all that far into it, but let's make our recommendations. I would personally say, do I recommend this movie? I would say, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. It's bonkers enough that you should know. Like, it's a pop cultural reference. If you say it's like Buckaroo Banzai, you should have seen the movie, even if you've skipped through bits of it or have something else. If Check your phone. Mm-hmm. yeah it's worth it's worth checking out and there are moments of glory and i do think that the style even though i don't think the substance is so much there the style of it is a lot of fun yeah, absolutely jokes mostly don't land which is a bummer um yeah you've got a lot of really funny people in this but um i would say yes to that but again if you're looking for an entertaining date movie like if you're looking like Oh, that movie looks like a lot of fun. It's not. It's not a lot of fun. It's definitely worth a watch if you're like us and you're into the genre and, you know, you're into cult classics and you want to see what all the buzz is about. Then by all means, you know, you're not going to be um, sorry that you saw Buckaroo Banzai. But I cannot say that it is one of these. Like Fright Night was fun. Yes. That's a, uh, a and, great and, 80s movie. You know? And Buckaroo Banzai was trying real hard to be fun, but my net experience of it, and there's fun moments, but my net experience of it wasn't that it was all that fun. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. This isn't even a party movie. This isn't even really something you could put on at a party and it, and it be fun. I don't think, but it's, you could have it on with the sound off and every now and then somebody look at the screen and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. (laughs) Like what's that crazy show? Right. But But yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, if you're somebody like me who you you grew up in the 80s, but for whatever reason you didn't see this, um, I, I would def, def, uh, excuse me, definitely recommend it. Um, or, you know, if it's a younger person that's into 80s stuff, um, I, I can't imagine a lot of younger people liking this because getting it. Yeah, like, getting what, it. What, and what, the, what, is, what? what is this? And the pacing. um you know, and all of that. So I definitely recommend, you know, if you're into cult movies and you haven't seen this one before, I would say recommend it. People that aren't into weird stuff like this, which I don't really know why you'd be listening to this podcast if, <laughs> if you don't like some weird things, right. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a mild recommendation. It's uh, on IMDb. It is a, I think it's like a 6.3, that sounds which about that right. sounds about fair. Yeah. You know, because there's something to it. It's yeah, your, it's hard. It's kind of hard to quantify, but it's, it's not your everyday, you know, direct. It's not just like oh, some some stuff that Netflix spun up and threw some money at just because they needed to fill a particular slot in their demographic. And there's a fair amount of that and that I wouldn't even bother to review with you here because I'm like, it sure. just feels like you know, company made sausage, which is not to say that the actors don't do a good job or it doesn't look good or whatever, but you're just kind of like, this feels like it was made to order and there's no, um, spirit igniting it, Mm -hmm. you know, and like designed to be forgettable Wednesday night watching. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is better than that. This is really, truly original. Yeah. There's some love that went into this. I think the people involved, were you you get the feeling that they thought they were making something maybe better than what it turned out to be yeah well that's why i think of the coke (laughs) yeah 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 
but you know, you could, it's good enough that you look at it and you're like, man, this, this could have been really great. Like yeah. this could have been one of my all time favorite movies, but it's not, mm-hmm. which is sort of sad. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, uh, before we, cause we're at 42 minutes, like, you know, have you seen, uh, episode one of season two of the Mandalorian? I have not yet. Oh man! Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about. Oh, it. sorry. No, I'll uh, see. I don't have I don't have Disney Plus, so spoil it for you. No. Yeah. No, I don't have Disney Plus, so I I go and uh, uh, watch it at my sister's house. So that's that's yeah. one of those tentpole properties of Disney. I mean Disney yeah. Plus. Talk about tentpole properties. I get a lot of stuff, but man, I enjoy that series so much and. Uh, there's only released the one so far, uh, but it's a great. Episode. I'll try to watch it soon. And uh, Timothy Oliphant's in it. Yeah, they're, they've it's, had a lot of interesting casting choices, you know, because they put some comedians in there, yeah, you know, and Bill Burr. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to watch it before we talk the next time. Excuse me. Have you, by any chance, just to go back to something we talked about a long time ago? Have you seen any of? Raised by Wolves, Lovecraft Country, or what was the other one? There was a, um, what was the other one? Do you watch Star Trek Discovery? No, I, uh, I don't have a Star Trek person. A little bit. Um, not so much. I loved, um, you know, I loved the original series when, when we were kids, you know, I was really into that and I loved the, the movies with the original cast. I never got into, I would watch it some, but I never got into the next generation uh-huh. and I didn't really care anything about the next generation movies. I really liked the, and I know it's, it's kind of blasphemy for real, uh, Trekkies or Trekkers or whatever, but the, I, I liked the, uh, JJ Abrams movies a lot. Sure. Um, you know, he admitted that he was basically, kind of remaking star Wars, but, but I thought it worked, but, um, I've been intrigued. And he by, did remake star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that's true as well. I, I, um, I've been intrigued by those newer shows. Did you tell me that, was it you and I that were talking that you said that Picard wasn't all that great? It was okay. But was that somebody it's, else? It's hot and cold. I, I, mean, I, love, you that it, I love me some Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I enjoyed it. I watched that whole first season and I guess they're doing another season of it and I will watch that too. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm, you know, biting my nails waiting for it to come out. And I like Star Trek Discovery a lot. I think season one uh, is is really great and season two is also pretty good. And season three that I'm watching so far is like, well, you know how things kind of like, there's like a trajectory of shows that they they sort of slide towards a soap opera yeah element where it's then people this is not actually happening on um Star Trek Discovery I'm more talking about kind of a tone but people start having relationships and then it starts coming like oh you know they now they're having feelings is it going to happen and then it does and the only place they can go is have a break off and then they pair up and you're kind of like what what we're in space. Like, is it, I think they came out of the gates so hot on that show that it's very difficult for them to keep the pace up. Mm-hmm. 
and it's starting to feel maybe they got new writers i don't know it's starting to feel a little bit like a parody of itself as mm. it goes into season three which is too bad because well, it's a lot of really talented people one thing that you said there that is kind of what keeps me away from series now in general is that soap opera aspect you know when yeah. you look back to when you look back to the original star trek and star, star trek uh generations um or star trek uh uh the next generation um those were just a different story every week right you know that wasn't an ongoing yeah and that leaves me i just i don't know there's there's just so i get overwhelmed that there's so many different shows and it's like okay this is 10 episodes and then and then they've got the next one coming out and i like I would, and I'm sure there's some series that they're doing it with, but I would kind of like it if they would somewhat resurrect that idea of just, it's just a different story every week. Maybe there's an ongoing arc every once in a while, but you don't have to feel like, oh, if I miss an episode, I don't know what's going on. You know, you you might, there are elements of Discovery season one that you might really dig. It's actually kind of a slow burn. Mm Mm-hmm. So Star Trek Discovery is set in the time right before Captain Kirk is assigned to the Enterprise. So it doesn't take it doesn't take place on the Enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. But Christopher Pike is the captain of the Enterprise. Right. And Spock is his science officer, right? Mm-hmm. And Discovery is a science vessel that Christopher Pike is sort of temporarily assigned to to for reasons um and the actor who plays christopher pike is terrific in this because it he sort of bridges the in the jj abrams they've got a great guy who plays pike and in the original series there was a pilot Mm -hmm. yeah i remember that one that they kind of worked in later called the menagerie. That was, Mm -hmm. it was about, it wasn't about Kirk and his crew. It was about Pike and his crew. And then that was the pilot that didn't air as a pilot. And then episode one was this whole different set of people. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, Um, but, but he, the, the Pike in this one kind of merges those two performances Mm -hmm. and he brings a lot of Kirk energy, a lot of cowboy energy to it. Like he is the, steadfast reliable like the crew trusts him implicitly and really likes him he's the kind of captain that everybody wants to follow mm-hmm. um but he's also a bit of a maverick and you know shoot from the hip kind of vibe yeah and it's really entertaining okay. uh, television uh, if you liked the original series and the the fan response the the audience response was so uh, intense to that particular crew of people. Rebecca Romaine plays his first officer. Oh, wow. And you know, the guy they have playing Spock is fine. I don't, I know that sounds dismissive, but how are sure. you going to fill Leonard Nimoy's shoes? Mm-hmm. You know, you can be Chris Pike and you can bring Shatner, you know, you can bring Kirk energy to it, but you're not playing Kirk, but right. now he's playing Spock. And, same thing with Zachary Kinto. It's like, I, he's great. I have nothing against Zachary Kinto, but he's not Leonard Nimoy. He's mm-hmm. just not, you know, and that's yeah. what everybody thinks of. That's why it's so beloved. Uh, but they, they're they doing a spinoff that is called um, 
Strange New Worlds, I think, mm -hmm. that is specifically the episodic, the kind of one-off like storyline. This week they go to the planet, yeah. and this week they explore a weird phenomenon, and it's much more modeled after the original series. I'd definitely be into that. Pike and Spock and and his for and Rebecca May, Remain, whose character's name is just number one. They don't mm. give her a name, which I think is weird, but um. That has got a lot of promise because that could be the kind of thing that you could watch, but you don't need to feel like if you miss a week, you don't know like what way what, now sure. who's in love with what. It's just about them exploring space in the era immediately pre Kirk. Yeah, that would be cool. And and all are are all of these on the CBS All Access or whatever. Yeah, it's no, I don't think that show has launched yet. Okay, but it's yeah, definitely, it's in production or post production. It's I, I you'll have to Google what the release date on it is, but I think it's coming out either this holiday season or twenty twenty one. It's okay. definitely in the pipeline. I'm probably going to have to break down and and get that because I've wanted to watch the, although I've, I've heard kind of mixed things about it, but I've wanted to watch the, um, the new, the Jordan Peele twilight zone. Yeah. Um, oh, and talking about the, the, just a quick aside with that. Um, talk about a weird eighties, although I think it might've been 1990 that, that, that came out, but Jordan Peele is producing a remake of the people under the stairs. Did you ever see that? The Wes Craven movie? No. That's a really weird, I don't think I've seen it since it originally came out, but it's a really weird horror movie that that's another one that's kind of a cult film. And it's like, wow, that's kind of strange that, that they're going to, you know, reboot that. But, um, CBS all access. They're also, uh, I think it's probably pretty soon they're doing the stand. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, it happens this way with all these, um, all of these streaming services, you know, they all have like one big show that they kind of launch with. And it's like, well, I'd kind of like to see that, but I don't care about any of the other stuff. Yeah. And then they all start to add some more things. And then you're just kind of like, oh, okay, now I'm I guess I'm going to have to get this one or I'll never see these, you know, yeah. these shows. But well, if you wait till the, there's builds up a backlog of stuff, you, you can get them. See. You what can rent them. Like yeah. 6.99 a month or something like that. Right. So yeah. If you wanted to do CBS All Access for a month and you had all that different stuff you wanted to watch on it, you know, you could watch a different show every night and probably not get through it all in a month. But sure. You know, that's lunch one day, six ninety nine. If you go oh, to yeah, yeah. or McDonald's or something, get lunch. Sure. Yeah, they're you all know? cheap enough that it that you're just like, Oh, what the heck, you know. And I you can turn it on and off. They right. don't make you subscribe for a whole year. So Yeah. I have the um uh, get your sister to give you the login, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I have the one that I'm going to cancel because they're changing it and there's not a lot on it, but the, I have the DC universe app or whatever. Um, oh. and, um, uh, it has doom patrol, which like they moved to, um, yeah. Have you I'm seen that? Into that? Yeah. You recommended it to me. I, I, Watched the pilot and I've since watched a few more episodes and I like the people in it. It's just never landed the hook. Yeah, it's not. I've not watched the whole thing of it, but um, they did a Swamp Thing show, which again, I watched a couple episodes and a, and a friend of mine said like it starts out good and kind of I think they I think he said they cut the budget a, a bunch 
after and it was kind of noticeable, but, uh, but that one is they're moving all of their shows to, um, to HBO max. And it's just going to be, there won't be any series on it. It's just going to be a comic app, you know, where you can like read, which I don't, I'm not interested in. I don't really like to read stuff on a, on a, you know, an iPad or whatever, but, um, so I'll probably cancel that one. And then, you know, that'd be one I could, I could justify, you know, getting the, I just hate having the different streaming services and a lot of them I don't watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So shut them off. You yeah. You know, spin them back up when you. Sure, sure. I, you know, I did, I signed up for HBO when the new Game of Thrones was coming on and I, because I didn't want to wait. They're like, just wait, wait three or four months till it's all there. And you can, be, I'm like, no, no, I gotta, I gotta see each episode as it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? I'm like, cause I'm addicted to it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I'd forget to turn it off and then you sure. get a bill and you're like, oh. Yeah, HBO is fifteen a month, and you're like, "Ooh, you think you're fancy?" <laughs> but you know, and then you just got to go, you know, unsubscribe. You can always—they're happy to have you back whenever you got something else you want to watch. There's also the—I think it started. Um, the, have you watched the Star Trek animated series? That I think is by the people who do Rick and Morty. No, okay. I haven't. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. I like Rick and Morty, but yeah. I don't know. There's just something about it that's kind of a turn, what, lower decks or something like that? Yeah. I Again, I don't think it, uh, I don't think the reviews were real great on it. Yeah. But. I don't know. It didn't, didn't look exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And Rick and Morty, now that they've got a deal where they got some big deal finally where it's like 72 episodes or something or seven seasons. They finally cartoon network or comedy central, whoever owns it went all in and just was like, okay, great. Crank a bunch of this out. They've clearly dusted off a bunch of old scripts that they rejected for earlier seasons Mm -hmm. because the material is not as good. Like at its best, Rick and Morty is really, um, interesting and funny and puts its finger right on some paradox of the culture at the time and manages I, to make fun of itself and make fun of us and make fun of the thing it's making fun of, but still have you care and laugh. And, you know, some of these recent episodes just kind of like, okay. I, I think the people in, involved with that have, have gotten stretched too thin because, um, they also have a show, I forget what it's called, but uh, they also have a show on Hulu that's about like this alien family that crash lands on Earth or whatever. And so it's like their kids are going to school and all this kind of stuff. And so yeah. I, I think they're, you know, they're doing too many different Good things. Good for them, I guess. Yeah, but... I mean, it's, yeah. But but yeah, those Star Trek shows, I'll have to, I, I, I've been thinking a long, for a long time about getting the app and I'd, I'd like to watch some of them. I still think, you know, I think you would like Raised by Wolves. It gets really weird. Mm-hmm. By the time it gets to the end of it, you're kind of like, wait, what? Like it, it devolves fast and hard right at the end where you're kind of like, wait, what, what's happening? What is this about? There's a what now? But the first half of it, at least, I thought was... Certainly the first three episodes are, you know, if you only watch the first three episodes that I guess Ridley Scott himself directed or whatever, it's, yeah. it's really interesting, man. And it's androids and it's 
Kepler whatever, 22 is some alien planet, and they they talk about a war that happened on Earth between atheists and the religious sect, and it just mm -hmm. layers and great weird performances, and I, I think you would really dig it. Um, yeah, it, it looked like something I think it. I'd be into. Yeah. Yeah, I want to check it out for sure. But um, okay, so our our um, our consensus on <laughs> Buck Rubanzai <laughs> is that um, you know it definitely it's a uh, it's a movie worth watching if you're into cult classics and in the '80s and the genre and everything we like to talk about on this show. But the caveat is that. When you sit down with a bowl of popcorn and a beer to actually watch it, it isn't as fun as you hope it's going to be. And it left both of us, correct me if I'm speaking for you incorrectly here, but um, it left both of us sort of wishing it was a more fun experience actually watching it start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Cool. So have we don't, do we already decide what we're going to do next time? I forget. We had talked about, so we got, we've gotten a, our first uh, listener request. Oh, yeah, my yeah, my friend yeah. Shelly um, loves the movie Silverado and and requested that we do that. So that's a that so that's a a little bit of a new genre for us. We haven't done an actual western, and this is um, I don't really want to give everything away, but it, I think it's a little bit like um, Fright Definitely. Night was last week, where it was like the '80s take on vampire movies. I feel like Silverado is kind of the eighties take on or an eighties take on Westerns. Um, I love it. And okay, I have cool. seen Silverado, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time for me too. And I think I resisted it when I saw it because it was the sort of, you know, young brat pack uh, actors that I wasn't all that into at the time, mm -hmm. but for Shelley, absolutely. Let's, why don't we, for next time, we're going to review Silverado, join us, and we will look forward to um, having a lively discussion about it next week. All right.